The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, your cell phone, whatever you're reading from, and lift it up. You may not get another opportunity to show it off. So this is your chance. Samsungs, Samsungs, uh, iPhones, uh, who are we's, Amen. whatever you're working with. Shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word, and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. We're still talking about, and this is the the final installment, we were talking about the God kind of prosperity. Amen. And uh, we said that there is a difference between the God kind of prosperity and the world's view of uh, prosperity. The world's view of prosperity is that success is measured by the accumulation of things. And so the world looks at it this way, that you have to get all you can uh, by all means necessary. If you have to backstab, if you have to kill, if you have to gossip, just to get to the top, you have to do whatever you can uh, to get this money. Amen? And we've heard people, you know, make quotes like, uh, get rich or at least die trying. You know, they're really trying to just get as much wealth as they can at all costs. And uh, that's not the godly way. There's a godly way uh, to doing things. But then there's another perspective uh, that sounds spiritual and religious, but it's also not biblical. And this uh, perspective says that, you know what, I only need just a little bit uh, to cover my monthly cell phone bill, to cover my medical aid uh, uh, subscription, to cover my monthly payment for my car, and uh, to just take care of me so that I can relive an average life. I don't want too much. You know why? Because right now I ain't even thinking about nobody else. I'm just thinking about me. I'm not thinking about the dog, the hog, or the frog. I'm thinking just about myself, me, myself, and I. And, and, and it sounds all spiritual and all religious, but it's still not biblical. The biblical way of looking at things is 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 8, which says, And God will liberally, generously supply everything that you will need, and you will have everything that you will need and plenty left over. Someone say plenty left over. In other words, you are believing God for a lot so that you may have plenty left over or an abundance to use it for every good work, to give towards others. Amen? Amen. So true Bible prosperity is measured not by what you drive or what you put on uh, or what you spend. Uh, True biblical prosperity is measured by what you give. I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. Because that's not what your pastor told you before. But this is what the scripture says about biblical prosperity. 
it is measured by how much you are able to be a blessing to somebody else. Even when God was blessing Abraham, he told him these words. He said, I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing. Amen. So this is the God kind of prosperity, and we've covered so many uh, things around uh, this concept. And today, uh, we are going to be taking it uh, a little further as we uh, bring the curtains down. Amen. So let's go to Genesis chapter number 1, and I'm going to be reading from verse 26 to 28. Genesis chapter number 1 from verse 26 to 28, and I'm going to be reading this uh, in the Message Bible. Okay? That's the Message Bible translation. And this is what it says. It says, And God spoke and said, Let us make human beings in our image, Make them reflecting our nature so that they can be responsible uh, for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Semicolon, open inverted commas. Uh, we're getting ready to uh, uh, hear God's proclamation. Uh, God speaking over his children, and the, 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 the words God spoke over his children were, number one, prosper. Someone say prosper. prosper. So God wants you to prosper. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. And we talked about the real purpose of prosperity. And if you were not in that uh, service, I encourage you to go to our website and check out that teaching. It's called The True uh, Reason for Prosperity. And it talks about why does God want us to prosper, and it goes in depth with that. And the second thing we see God saying was, reproduce. And the third thing was, fill the earth and take charge and uh, be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and for every living thing that moves on the face of the air. So if we were to back down and look at the words that God proclaimed over his children, primarily uh, Adam and Eve, and ultimately you and me, uh, we talked about how God said he wanted you to prosper. And the second thing God said to them was reproduce. And that word reproduce is not just limited to procreation or making babies. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. No, that word reproduce speaks of us taking the things that God has given us and multiplying them. Amen? I want you to think with me uh, uh, this morning. A lot of the times, you know, we don't come to church with a, with a mindset of, I'm going to think through these things. We usually come with a mindset of, you know, I'm just going to go there, try and get a goosebump if I can, and a butterfly in my tummy, and just kind of, you know, uh, get some, some, some emotional uh, feeling. But that hasn't helped many people for many, many years. So through this teaching, I want you to really think about some of these things as you start to apply them in your life. So when God said reproduce, how many of you realize that God could have planted the whole earth? How many of you believe God has enough power to plant the whole earth? Amen. In fact, not just the earth. How many of you believe God has enough power to plant the entire universe and develop it? But God decided in his wisdom because he wanted core labors. Someone say core labors. God is always looking for people to work with. He decided in his wisdom that he wasn't going to do it all by himself. He didn't want to do it all alone. It was God's will for him to work with you and me, mankind. And so what God did was he planted just a garden. And then he gave it to Adam, and he said, Now, Adam, take this garden, 
be fruitful in it and multiply it. In other words, what God was saying to Adam was, now take the Garden of Eden and make it international. Man, that's awesome. And embedded in the Garden of Eden was all the potential to make the Garden of Eden spread throughout the entire earth. And God knew this, that what had started in the Garden of Eden as a garden would end in the book of Revelations as a high-tech city with 12 foundations, all of them made out of precious stones. And God had already deposited in Adam all of the creativity, all of the ingenuity, and all of the technology that it takes to move it from a garden to a high-tech city. So when Adam, when God called him, he said, now, my boy, I've given you a, a, an international conglomerate in this garden. Now you take it and make it international. <clears throat> Amen? And that's what God will do with you and me. When God brings you an idea, it's always going to come in seed form. I know it's discouraging to others, but I love it so much. You know why? Because seeds have infinite potential. You can measure the number of seeds in a fruit, but you can certainly, without any accuracy, not be able to measure the number of fruits that are in a seed. Can I get an amen? amen? So God gave this garden to Adam, and he said, now, Adam, I want you to make it international. These brothers and sisters, here I have to say that we need to do and take heed to what Scripture says in Zechariah 4, verse 10. He says, do not despise the day of garden beginnings or of small beginnings because the Lord rejoices when he sees a workman leave the house with the plumb line. God gets excited just to see the work start. Man, that's awesome. And God, when he gives you a vision, it's always going to come in seed form. Amen. When God gives you a business idea, it's always going to come in seed form. Man, it would be awesome just to get a fully formed business with all the staff and all the, the directors and everybody likes your company and none of them are lazy, praise the Lord, and we are making millions every month. But unfortunately, that's not how things work with God. God gives it to you as a garden, and he says it to you, keep it and dress it. Be fruitful and multiply. Amen. And he just doesn't give you that instruction without giving you the tools, the equipment for you to be able to work with. God had already given everything that Adam needed to make it international. Just like for you and me, God has already given us everything to make the things that he put in our hearts, the dreams, the visions that God put in our hearts for us to take them and bring them to the world so that we can make a difference. God has already given us the necessary equipment and apparatus for us to be able to do so. God, since time immemorial and all of creation, has never created anyone to live an average life. Oh, I thought I was going to get an amen. I thought y'all believed that. God has never created anyone just to wake up, breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide so that at the end of the month they can pay their bills and do it all over again. God created you for a difference. 
Someone shout, I'm a world changer. It doesn't matter where you start. God has created you to be a world changer. Yeah, that's right. He created a little girl in the middle of the bush in Zimbabwe, Bulawayo, and gave that girl a vision to be a Christian psychologist, and she turned out to be Caroline Leaf. Created another one in the same city of Bulawayo and put a dream and a vision on the inside of her and told her, you are a princess. And he meant it, and she turned out to be the princess of Monaco. So it doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what you've been through up until today. God's dream is still valid in his eyes over your life. And he created you to be a world changer. But what you need to do is to pray and say, Lord, cause me to see the potential in seed form ideas. Greatness. All over the world is in the ability to see potential in seed form ideas. To look at the Garden of Eden and know that it's a high-tech city. That's how greatness is created. Amen? Amen. I said amen. And so God has called all of his children uh, to to, to be world uh, changes. You know, one of the ways the Lord uh, uh, will bring promotion, in fact, I listed about... Uh, four ways here that we can make a difference. But before we even go there, I'm going to ask for the board, and I'm just going to draw some things uh, for you and just show you a, a, a few things uh, that you know I've learned in writing Grace in the Marketplace and just going around the world. Uh, God wants you to make a difference in your area of, of calling or in your sphere of influence. Amen? These are what we call the, the seven mountains. And this teaching was started really by a gentleman called Bill Bright. Bill Bright started this teaching uh, in 1975. And it has made, it has been brought to the fold uh, of late by a gentleman called Lance Walnow. Uh, he's the one that teaches mostly about the seven mountains. But really, these are the different spheres of influence that God has called all of us in here so that we can uh, uh, make a difference and make an impact. Right at the top of all the other mountains, uh, this is how I like to draw it, is the church. Because scripture says that the house of God or the church shall be established above every other mountain. What that simply means is the church should have influence permeating through the walls of the church. In other words, what we do on a Sunday morning should not stay here. But it should spill over into all these different areas and spheres of influence. And one of the areas you may be called to is family. Amen? One of the areas you may also be called to is education. It's the mountain of education. Uh, there's the mountain of arts and entertainment. There's a mountain of uh, 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 media. There's a mountain of government. How many of you know that we need godly people in government? I thought I was going to get a better <laughs> and, and there's a mountain of business. See, a lot of people think that if they are operating in any of these mountains, it's not uh, sacred, it's uh, secular. They don't realize that God has given them a, a sacred assignment to be in all of these mountains and so that they can make uh, a Bible-based, uh, Holy Ghost-inspired uh, contribution in these respective uh, spaces and mountains. 
And yes, God's will for all of us really is for us to rise to the top of this mountain. And when you, well, not just the family mountain, but any mountain that he may have called you to. And when you rise to the top of it, all of a sudden, the same things you've been saying while you were still at the bottom of the mountain, you could be saying the same things. But all of a sudden, because you are now at the top of the mountain, your opinions carry more authority. And this is why God wants you to go all the way to the top of the mountain. If it's the education mountain, God wants you to have discoveries. God wants you to, if you can, have a PhD. Amen? Go all the way to the top of the education mountain. But what if the institution uh, kicks you out or rejects you or does not give you the opportunity to go to the PhD? How many of you know that human institutions can't stop God? There's a story that's told of a gentleman called Einstein, and uh, he was rejected by almost every Ivy League school that he applied to, but God still brought him to the top of the education mountain by giving him insight into what we now call the theory of relativity. Amen? Or gravity for some. Or for some, simply put, what goes up must come down. And God gave him that. And because of that, he still came back and rose to the top of that mountain. And we know nothing about the people who were accepted in Ivy League ahead of him. You know why? Because insight is greater than human accreditation. There's two different kinds of uh, information that's out in the world. There's what I like to call sight and what I like to call insight. We are now in the age of insight. A few years ago, we were in the age of sight or the age of just uh, information or knowledge where if you knew how many you know, kilometers are in a mile, everybody would come and uh, camp around you so that you can dish out data. <laughs> but in 2020, we don't have to camp around you because I can ask Siri or Google. Amen? Amen. So I don't have to know the formula to gravity off the top of my head. You know why? Because Siri knows it for me. All I have to have is data. <laughs> Siri, what's the formula of gravity? Amen? So just having information doesn't cut it. You get it? Just going to school and being able to cram and regurgitate in an exam. Soil erosion is the washing away of soil. <laughs> And then you get a distinction. No, that's not going to cut it. You have to bring to the table something great. Are you getting it? And that's something that you bring for you and me. Because we are God's children, we can bring something greater. That is called insight. Scripture says in uh, uh, John chapter number 16, verse 13, that he has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of that verse, it says, and he, the Holy Spirit, will tell you or will show you things to come. Man, that's awesome. That's an awesome promise. In fact, when you're talking to religious people, you say, do you know the Holy Spirit will show you things to come? They usually say, oh, yes, Pastor T, I know the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He's going to show us things to come with regards to eschatology, the study of the end times, knowing who the 666 is. And who the Antichrist is. Hallelujah. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he may be able to show you that. But how many of you know that the Holy Spirit is more strategic than just that? Amen. And then for the spiritual ones, they say, yeah, the Holy Spirit. I know the Holy Ghost, Pastor T. I, I know. I felt it. I felt it. Oh, I felt him. Lord, I felt the goosebumps. I was there at that service and I felt the Holy Ghost. 
<laughs> and for those who are deeper, they just pray for a touch. Holy Ghost, just touch me, Lord. Just touch me, Lord. Just touch me. I mean, dude wants to come and live on the inside of you. All you're going to settle for is just a... You see how we shortchange ourselves sometimes? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. The man wants to embrace you and love on you, and all you're going to ask for is just a touch. <laughs> Hello. A little bit. Who was that? Kid Sweat. Kid Sweat. <laughs> Apostle Kid Sweat. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is more strategic than just getting goosebumps in a worship service. Amen. The Holy Spirit wants to go in the marketplace with you and give you solutions for your business. Amen. Wow. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to settle for copy and paste. As a preacher, the Holy Spirit ministered to me. He said, Tafara, I don't want you to settle for copy and paste. Man, I've learned from so many great men and women of God, but I'll tell you this, the Holy Spirit reveals some things to me directly. And I have to teach on those things. It's called insight. And when you receive revelation, your own personal revelation, when you start sharing it with the world, there's going to be a transformation. Amen. Amen? And beyond that, there's going to be a promotion. God will begin to elevate you to the top of a mountain that he has called you to your assignment, and you will become a voice. I remember when I was walking into this, just really puzzled me. When I was walking into Wealth Builders Conference, just before it started, I bumped into uh, Ashley Teradez, some of you who may know uh, Ashley, and Ashley said, hey, Tafara, I was looking for you. He was with Carly uh, uh, and uh, Zach. He said, man, I was looking for you. I have something for you. And then he handed me an, uh, an envelope with a card in it, and so I went upstairs you know, to pick up my wife because the conference was about to start, so we opened the card, and uh, inside the card was some money. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> But what struck me was the message that was written on the card. He said, Tafara, I just want to say thank you for writing uh, Grace in the Marketplace, the book. And I said, why? You know, I got to have a conversation with him afterwards. And he said, because I've been teaching uh, from the book, I, I really wanted to just honor you. I've been teaching from the book at Carriage Bible College. I've been teaching the things that you were uh, talking about in the book, particularly the topic around uh, witty inventions, letting God uh, use you to manifest witty inventions, and uh, around uh, uh, tithing under grace. You know, God gave me a revelation around Genesis uh, 14, the tale of two kings, two systems, and so on and so forth, and I put it in a book, and uh, that made an impact on him, and now he's using it to minister to others and bring in transformation, which, you know, I do not have a problem with because that's why we write these things, so that we can make an impact that is beyond just ourselves. Amen? And what God did for me, he can do for you. God is some stuff that he has stored up that you can tap into. God was not surprised. Man, I always tell people this. God was not surprised when we finally discovered the internet. People make it seem like the ancient of days doesn't know how to use a computer. God knew about the internet back in the Garden of Eden. Do you know that Daniel could have sent an email to King Nebuchadnezzar and say, we are not bowing. <laughs> kind regards. Daniel, Meshach, 
Shadrach and Abednego. And it would not have changed anything on the narrative of redemption. Jesus would have still come. He would have still died for you. Man, God is sitting in heaven saying, come on, catch up. God is not puzzled. He's the one that gives out all these uh, creative ideas. In fact, if you go to Isaiah chapter number 45, uh, verse 2, God gives a promise to a secular king. He said to uh, King Cyrus, who was getting ready to bring down uh, Babylon, and at the time Babylon was the most advanced uh, uh, economy of the time with all the trade and all the uh, irrigation was in Babylon. And this man, we had been given an assignment by God to take down Babylon, is standing there thinking, how am I going to take down Babylon with all this technology? And God gave him a promise in Isaiah 45, verse 2. He said, I will go before you, and I will make every crooked path straight. That's a promise in God's word. He says, I'm going to go before you, and I'm going to make every crooked path straight. So I was preaching, and it became a famous quotation at the Wealth Builders. I was the first one to preach, and this is what I say to them. I asked them a question. I said, what's the shortest distance between any two points? And it was easy. Everybody said, it's a what? Straight, straight line. line. And I said, now, let me give you Tafara's version of uh, the shortest distance between any two points. The shortest distance between any two points, you can put open quote when you use it. Uh, later on, on on Twitter. And when you put closed quote, make sure you put Tafara Butai. Because I be the one that came up with it. Don't try to look smart, amen? So I told him, I said, man, the shortest distance between any two points is innovation. And they said, what are you talking about? I said to them, the shortest distance between Johannesburg and uh, Denver used to be uh, three months of travel on a ship to New York and then get onto an animal drone cart all the way to Denver for another two months. Mm. That was the straight path of the day. Mm. But in God's eyes, it was just a crooked path until God showed them something straighter. And the straighter path was a four-stroke engine discovered by a gentleman called Henry Ford, to which he said, I didn't even ask for this idea from people, because if I had asked them what they want, they would have said, we want faster horses. Mm. <laughs> he said, I asked from the Holy Spirit. And God gave him a four-stroke engine idea. In fact, at the beginning of the year, him and uh, Walter Chrysler, they were friends, they would go up to the mountain to, to consult from God and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? And then God would literally give it to them. And they would receive it and use it to bless people and bring solutions. Amen? Amen. To the glory of God. Now, if God gave that promise to make every crooked path straight to a secular king, this dude is not even born again. And he told him why he had given him in verse 4. It was for the church, for Jacob my elect, and for Israel, uh, for Jacob my servant's sake, and for Israel my elect. It's always for the edification of the church and the preaching of the gospel. Amen. It's not so you can say, ha, 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 you know what, I'm the one, I, I be the one. No, it is so that we can make things easy with regards to preaching the gospel. Amen. And be a blessing. Amen. Man, these are some of the things that I go out there and teach, and I don't particularly. I just found out my wife was like, man, how come you don't teach this stuff at church? 
And I said, but I taught it in 2018. And she said, but some people were not there, <laughs> you know. I said, man, they should go back and listen to the audios. And she said, well, some people are not cut out that way. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to bring grace in the marketplace into the Sunday morning service today. And that's what I'm doing today. Amen. I'm just trying to get you to realize some of the things that we're going out there and teaching people, and these things are available for all of us. God has revelation. He has insight available for all of his children. This promise was to a secular king, not born again. And we know that God is not a respecter of persons. If he gave it to a secular king, I can claim the same promise as God's child. Amen? Amen. I know God has that for me and more. Because I am standing on the other side, I am standing on a better covenant established on better promises. Amen? And so every single morning I pray, I say, Lord, open my eyes to see. I want to see into the spiritual realm. And I'm telling you, God opens my eyes. I see all kinds of crazy things. Some of the things that I preach, y'all guinea pigs. Because <laughs> some of the things I preach, I'm the, it's the first time I've heard it. And I get to tell you, and it'll be the first time you've heard it. But it's all going to be based through Scripture. I try to find at least two or three witnesses based on God's Word. Amen? Amen. And when you are bold enough to receive it and put it down and be obedient to the Holy Spirit and share it with the world, it's amazing how many people these things will reach. We were in uh, Los Angeles, uh, California, Chipo and I, and we... We, we tuned to the local Christian radio station just so we could listen to some inspiration while we are driving around and so on and so forth. Because of the coronavirus, I wasn't about to listen to someone uh, get on the news and say, you're all going to die. I wanted someone to, who's preaching life. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Man, some of you paid so much attention to death. It's just amazing. You need to get some life. Amen? Yeah. And so I'm listening to a Christian radio station, and they kept playing the song that we... Uh, sang last. And this song was written in the center of Lagos, Nigeria. Yeah. I, I, there would literally, no embellishment, I'm not exaggerating on this, they would literally play this song every 20 minutes. They would play it again. And then play it again. And I said, every day. And I said to my wife, I wonder if Sinaj knows how much impact she's making without even trying. Because of something that God gave her. And then, you know, as we were listening to the same radio station, uh, there's a song that was written in the uh, 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 township in Wulawayo called Alpha and Omega. Some of you may have heard it. That was now redone uh, uh, by Israel Hutton. They kept playing that song too. And I said, man, this song was written in the 80s in a township in, in, in called Wulawayo. And I wonder if Baba Mtambira even knows, because I got the privilege to be friends with the children and with the sons, and I said, I wonder if he even knows how much impact he's making without even trying. Brothers and sisters, God will give you insight and revelation that will outlive you. Amen. That will go beyond your, your immediate sphere of influence. The things that God wants to do in your life, he wants to do such a work that will make an impact while you're sleeping. That's what the scripture means when it says the blessing of the Lord will cause the beloved to sleep. In actual uh, uh, definition of that verse, it says the blessing will keep working while you're sleeping. 
And that's the kind of insight God wants to bring into your life. Amen? So the first thing uh, I, I shared with you is that insight is going to help you get to the top of, of the mountain that God has called you. Some of you, God has called you into the arts and entertainment, and you gotta, you gotta, you've got to get insight to rise to the top of the mountain. I was saying congratulations to Kali because she just finished publishing a book uh, called Hannah, which is going to be an animation story, and they are working with Hannah and the, Hannah and the Beanstalk. And they're going to be publishing this with one of the top uh, animators in America, and it's going to be competing with Frozen and uh, uh, LOL and all these people that have been uh, discipling your children all along. <laughs> and it's going to come and compete with them. Some of you don't realize... Uh, uh, Alsa and uh, Anna have been discipling your kids. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have. This is why we need Christians in the arts and inter Oh, man, some of you thought, Sunday school, man, we're just trying. But really, do you know who's... <laughs> do you know who's really discipling your kids? We, just, we, we really are trying to reverse what happens Monday to Friday. So if we can get some folk from here to start putting together... I'm not talking about low-budget stuff. You know, you, you, every Christian movie is like, ah. No, I'm talking about something with creativity. Something with a good storyline, amen? Something like Matrix, you know, something like... You, you know, just... Amen? Something powerful, and God can give it to you. Government, we, we need leaders that are God-fearing. Leaders who realize that when we elect them into office, it's an opportunity to serve the people Amen. and serve the vision of the country Amen. and the continent and so on and so forth. Uh, business, man, we need awesome Christian uh, business leaders who will bring uh, uh, witty ideas and creative things and solutions that will literally blow, people, uh, uh, blow people's minds in the marketplace. Amen. And God will do it for you. There's a gentleman called George Washington Carver. He came up with 300 products from a peanut. Single-handedly uh, liberated the economy of the South. He was a, a one-eyed man, and uh, he was just born in poverty and so on and so forth. And it's just so awesome how God disregards all of those things and gives these witty inventions to common men. Yeah. Man, if you're open to it, God is going to bring it to you. Amen. Every single morning, Chip and I, we pray and we say, Lord... Cause the right people, cause witty inventions, cause Kairos moments to come onto our path so that they can collide, so that we can make a difference. Amen? So the first thing that's going to get you promoted is what? Insight. Someone say insight. The second thing is God's favor. God's favor. Scripture says in Psalm uh, 5 verse 12, uh, the favor of the Lord will surround us like a shield. And one of the things we also pray and ask God for every single day is for his favor to go before us so that when we go into the marketplace, there's going to be doors of opportunities that are literally opened by the favor of God. Amen? Amen. The third thing is divine connections. Someone say divine connections. Divine connections. Let's go quickly to Acts chapter number 18, verse 10. Man, I'm not even halfway through my sermon and I'm 20, 23 seconds. Oh, we're going to have to stop. But here's what it says in Acts 18, verse 10. This is the Lord, and if you read it in a you know, red-letter Bible, where everything the Lord speaks is in red, this statement is in red. This is coming straight out of the mouth of Jesus. And watch what Jesus says to Paul, and ultimately to you and me, because we are God's children. 
for I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you. Now let's read the next statement together. Ready? Read. For I have many people in this city. See, a lot of people don't realize God uses people. And God here is saying to Paul, Paul, ain't nobody going to touch you. And Paul says, why? He says, because I've got connections. I've got people in this city that I can send to you and these people will help you. I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that God has many people for you in this city. And you just have to position yourself for those people. We call them divine connections. Some of them, you know, people call them uh, golden connectors. God always uses people. Even when you give, it says give and it will come back to you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, uh, and running over. Shall? I didn't hear that. Shall? God always uses people. And sometimes it could be the next person that you're going to sit next to on the next flight you're going to get onto. But because you're so nasty and you hate people and you don't like people and you don't like relationships and you're claustrophobic, you're not even going to say hi. (laughs) Amen. And sometimes God is going to use people who are not necessarily cute and nice. But because you are so offense ready, you know, you, you just, you know, have you met, ever met these people who are just ready to be offended? They, no one has done anything to them, but they're offense ready. They're just on the edge. Don't push me. Because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Ha, 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 ha. It's like a jungle sometimes. That makes me wonder why I keep on going on. The reason you keep on going under is because you are offense ready. Yeah. Can I get an amen? amen? Man, I really meant to encourage you this morning. Was that encouraging? Man, don't be offense ready. You know why? Because God uses people. Just be nice. Hallelujah. Hunt your neighbor and say, be nice. And for us, you know, God has really blessed us with some people. And here's one thing I've learned, that it's a blessing to work with people that genuinely like you. And to work with people that you genuinely like. And God has blessed us with some people in Los Angeles. Uh, We have people on the ground that get to just minister to us and love on us when we're out there. Kareem and Mignonette Bailey and their family. Man, these are people that I just genuinely like. I like them. I like their children. I just genuinely like being around them. Billy Epperhart. Man, I told my wife, I said, man, I like Billy. And at the, during the conference, you know, Billy came to my wife and I at the end of the uh, first session. He says, hey, Tavara, he just, he just started walking around the front and he would go to specific people and he, he'd say, hey, Tavara, 328, it's room 328. And then you would go to someone else, yeah, it's room 328. And no one knows what's going on. And we all go to room 328 when we find out, oh, room, room 328 was where the green room was. And all these big guys are in there, Lance Warnow, Karen Conrad, and all these big guys are in there. And Billy said, hey, welcome. I like you guys. He pulled me close. He said, man, I like you. He said, I'm going to open doors for you. He said, you know, do you know that I know people? That's what Billy said. True story. He pulled me. He said, Tafara, do you know that I know people? And I said, yes, sir. I think you know people. He said, yeah, and I'm going to do conferences with you all around the world. He said, Tafara, I'd only heard a snippet of grace in the marketplace, man. When you shared it, I was like, where is this kid getting all this stuff? 
He said, man, I'm going to open doors for you and we're going to do stuff together. And, and I'm not just doing stuff with Billy because, you know, he's opening doors. I'm going to be doing stuff with Billy because I genuinely like Billy. And I like being around him. Amen. Amen. And that's what God will do for each and every one of us with regards to divine connections. God will bring people along your way who will break their back to do stuff for you, to open doors for you. And I'm not talking about you self-promoting. People don't know this, but I didn't give Billy a copy of my book until he asked for it. I wouldn't give it to him if he didn't ask for it. I only give it to you when you ask for it. And when he finally said, hey, Tafara, what, what's up with this book? Can I have a copy? That's when I said, yes, sir, you can have a copy. Because I'm not trying to say, hey, Billy, you know, my name is Tafara. You know, I'll be the kid. And Grace in the Marketplace, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Well, it's called self-promotion, and it has no place in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Let God promote you. And I'm going to end with this. Are we all right? I'll preach for two more minutes. Kairos moments. God is going to use Kairos moments, and Kairos moments is what we call God opportune uh, moments. Someone say God opportune moments. I said in the first service, when opportunity meets preparation, records are broken and lives are transformed. If you're taking down notes, write that down. When opportunity meets preparation, records are broken and lives are transformed. One of the greatest lies to ever been told to mankind is that there is a scarcity of opportunities. In fact, if you've ever studied economics, one of the first things they teach you on the very first day of attending an economics class is economics is the study of the management of scarce resources. No, resources are not scarce. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. It's the laborers that are few. We're not running out of oxygen. There's enough for everybody. It doesn't matter how fast you breathe. When God created the earth, you know one of the things he did? Unleashed a barrage, can I say that? Of opportunities. There's more opportunities than people. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, it says God's eyes go to and fro, looking for someone to manifest himself strong through, looking for someone to give opportunities Amen. to. Thank you, Jesus. So there are opportunities everywhere. Thank you, Lord. you know what's scarce? Preparations. Because <laughs> when opportunities meet preparation, what happens? Records are broken Amen. and lives are transformed. Amen. Now, here's the opposite of that. When opportunity meets unpreparedness, it can become a national embarrassment. 2002 Olympics in Australia, it was back in the day where they would uh, do what they called the wild card. So during the Olympics, what they would do is they would put these different countries that were not participating in certain disciplines, and then they would give them an opportunity to participate in a certain discipline. So, for example, they would put, you know, different countries that are not, you know, known for skiing, and then they would just pick up the name of the country, Zimbabwe, skiing. You've qualified for skiing. <laughs> Without really qualifying. You get the picture? 
So on this particular one in 2002, I, I need you to go and Google this so you can read it for yourself. In 2002, Equatorial Guinea was qualified for 200-meter breaststroke mm. swimming. They should have known better. <laughs> uh, 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 freestyle, right? Yeah. Qualified for 200 meters. And an email went to the Minister of Sports in Equatorial Guinea. Sir, you have just been qualified by way of wild card into the 200 meters freestyle swimming. Now, there was a problem. The problem was that the country only had one swimming pool, and it was at the president's house. <laughs> Nobody else knew how to swim like that. And so they put out an advert in the newspaper. They said, guys, we've been qualified for 2002 Olympics freestyle swimming. If you have ever been close to a swimming pool, or you know someone who might know anything about swimming, freestyle, 200 meters, please write to us. So the gentleman called uh, Eric, uh, he's now known as Eric the Eel. When you Google it, type Eric the Eel, double E-L. And Eric responded and he said, hey, I'm going to come and swim. And the whole country celebrated. At least they somebody was going to the Olympics. So Eric went to the Olympics 2002, and then as he was on the starting line, uh, the instructor came on and said, on your marks, get set. <laughs> Eric wouldn't get into the water. He said, no, I, I'm not going in. But Eric had all of his gear. Eric had a nice swimming, you know, swimming trunk with the Equatorial Guinea flag. I mean, Eric was, he had his goggles. I mean, Eric was looking like a swimmer. He, I'm not going in there. And so they sent a few coaches to Eric to talk to him. Man, you're going to have to go in there. Otherwise, you're going to be disqualified, and your country will not be allowed to participate, you know, next year in the Olympics. Man, just do whatever you can in the water. He said, okay, cool. So they called Eric back in. It was th three other, two other contestants on your marks. Get set, go. Boom, Eric dives in. <laughs> Man, Eric starts swimming. At the time, the slowest speed ever recorded for uh, freestyle, 200 meters, was about 58 seconds. Eric is still in the pool at about 2 minutes, 13 seconds. I mean, Eric is pushing, man. Eric is pushing. The, 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 the audience at the beginning were laughing at Eric. Before the end of the race, they were all praying in tongues. No, they were cheering him on. <laughs> no, before the race, because they were now saying, you know what, Lord, just, just help him finish, Lord. Just, ooh, Lord, this is. And, and, and you know, the whole story became... Uh, a national uh, embarrassment for Equatorial Guinea. What happened? Was going to the Olympics a great opportunity? Yes. Oh, yes, it is. A phenomenal opportunity. Not everybody gets to go to the opportunity to, to go to the Olympics. Amen? But it turned out that Michael Phelps <laughs> had been preparing himself since the age of five. Wow. So when that opportunity came, he broke some records. Eric the eel. <laughs> he hadn't been preparing himself. Yep. And the same opportunity came, and it became an embarrassment. Right. So I want to encourage someone who's been saying, you know, Pastor T, it's been taking too long for my promotion. Use that time as an investment. Time is not a liability. Time is an investment. 
Use that time to invest in yourself. Amen. 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 Billy Earhart has a statement that really changed my life. He says, invest in yourself more than you invest in your job. Because you take you everywhere. Amen. Man, we need to invest in ourselves. We need to make a, a, a plan every year to make an investment in ourselves. We need to make some free time during the course of the day just to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit about the next step. Don't be in such a rush to just get up, brush your teeth, pick up your handbag, your, your laptop bag, and just head out and just be in a place of noise to where you don't ever get to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Make some time during the day, whether it's in the morning, uh, whether it's at lunchtime or in the evening, just make some time and spend with the Lord and say, Lord, show me some things concerning what you have called me to do. And God will begin to show you those things. That when the opportunities start coming your way, man, you will literally break records. People will say, this is the first person from their tribe that has ever done this. This is the first person with this surname that has ever accomplished this. This is the first person uh, from their gender community that has ever accomplished this. This is the first person. You'll be a first everywhere you go. You'll begin to break records. And God has that for all of his children. Only if we start listening to him. It was never meant for man that walked to direct his own steps. For the steps of the Lord, are, the steps of a good man are to be ordered of the Lord. Amen. Why don't you stand on your feet? Did I bless you? Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, Lord, I thank you this morning for insight. I thank you for revelation. Lord, I thank you that you're opening up my eyes and you're bringing enlightenment. Lord, I thank you that the entrance of your word will bring revelation. It will bring insight in what you have called me to do. Innovation is my inheritance. Technology is my inheritance. It is my portion. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my heart. Show me things to come with regards to what you have called me to do. With family, with education, with arts and entertainment, with media, with government, and with my business. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for your favor. <coughs> and I release favor right now to go before me. Lord, I thank you that your favor will open doors of opportunity ahead of me. I thank you for divine connections. I will not miss the people that you have assigned into my life, into my path, to open doors, to give advice, to mentor, to lead, and for me to help, and for me to mentor. In Jesus' name. Amen. I thank you for Kairos moments. 
God opportune moments, times of preparation, so that I may be a blessing to this my generation. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God will bring different kinds of people along your path. Some of them will just give you just one word of advice. And that will literally change your life. Some of them will come and literally hold your hand and walk with you into places where you couldn't walk all by yourself. Some of them will come because they need help from you. Amen? And as you help them, you will realize that God actually put you in that situation so that he can prepare you, train you for what's coming. Amen? Don't just pray for the big dream. Begin to pray for these four things. You know, I've shared this with Billy. I've shared with uh, Ashley and Carly. And, uh, you know, Carly actually rebuked me for, you know, uh, uh, sharing this with, with her. But, you know, Ashley and Billy actually understood where I was coming from. I told them, I said, you know, I've never prayed for a big church. Because I know a, a big church is felt responsibility. I've always prayed for the next best opportunity in God's eyes to be brought into my life. And that's what I'm going to work with. Amen? Amen. Don't get so obsessed with the ultimate destination that you miss the immediate blessing that God will bring through these ways. He's going to bring Kairos moments. He's going to bring people along your path. He's going to bring divine connections. He's going to bring insight and favor. And as you receive this, it will prepare you and help you uh, that when you get to the top of your mountain, you will be able to manage a Fortune 500 company. Some of you can't really manage a billion dollar a month uh, company yet, but through training and being faithful, with a a 100,000 rand a month business, God is going to prepare you for when the $1 billion come. Because if you become a millionaire, you have to become a million. If If you get a million, you have to become a millionaire for you to get to keep it. You get the picture? Just because you have a million doesn't mean you're a millionaire. You have to change some things in your mind Change the way you handle people, you handle resources, and you will not sabotage your own destiny. The reason why most lotto winners are worse off is because they never worked on preparedness and being prepared to handle uh, such kind of uh, wealth coming their way. Amen? We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.